Hello everybody and welcome to Press YYZ for March the 4th. Be with you. <laughs> yes, a little early, but this is Press YYZ, your one-stop shop where we bring you all the best video game news and discussion with a uniquely Canadian twist. You can find us on Twitter at Press YYZ where we appreciate any feedback you may have. I'm your host, Mitch George, joined today by AJ Fraser. How's it going? Alexander Cozy Cozina. Didn't need that whatsoever. I've been playing a lot of Blood Roots. That's why. I am slightly aroused. I was teasing what's to come in the show. (laughs) Finally, we're joined this week by Alex Ballant. I'm back. I have returned from the grave. (laughs) I I don't know if I've ever seen you or Nathan in the same place. I have a very short memory. (laughs) Yeah, we're the same person, actually. Oh, okay, great. Well, he's he's too old and you're too young. So basically, if you were to be in the same room together, it would cancel each other out. That just widens the demographic that'll actually listen to this show from, you know, 12 people to maybe 15. So who cares? <laughs> you guys are the quantum mechanics of podcast hosts. And with that, <laughs> what's everyone been up to this week? AJ, what you been up to? Uh, well, over the weekend, I... Uh, I took a bit of a long weekend and went to Texas. Um, yeehaw! Was, yeehaw is right. Um, I only saw, not to get too political, one MAGA hat, oh. um, which was which was fun. Um, uh, but uh, I, I was about an hour south of uh, Houston in a, a little town called Galveston for the majority of it. Um, it's a little kind of, it's an old oil rig town island community um and uh they got they got beaches and hotels and stuff there um so i went for the warmer weather um and everything it didn't get too hot it was everything was you know pretty well hovering in the high teens like low 20s i mean it was it was pretty pretty warm here while you're away so it's not like like we were we were loving like the plus two plus three it was lovely wow wow that's amazing (laughs) i mean for march Uh, it's not too bad Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, global warming's a good thing, right? So anyway, um, I went. I went. We went for my mom's birthday because you know the price was right and everything. And you know, Florida was so expensive. I used to live in California at one point. Um, oh. And so yeah, yeah, that's something you guys didn't know about me. Happy happy um, belated birthday to Mama Fraser if she is listening. <laughs> Don't let her hear you say that. That's not her last name anymore. When are we doing the mom podcast? Oh yeah. <laughs> That would be that would be interesting. Do any of your moms actually play video games? No. My no. mom many decades ago used to play the Honeymooners video game on PC. My mom used to play Duck Hunt and she really enjoyed that. <laughs> so my sister and I had our mom play Mario Kart the last time we had one of our switches at the house and she was consistently finishing 11th or 12th with all of the assists turned on. So yeah, um, I don't think a mom video game podcast is happening anytime soon. You know, I will say, like, some time ago, I tried to show my parents how to play Minecraft because both of my parents are architects, and I figured, you know, of any video game, you might actually appreciate this one because there's a very minimal amount of violence and there's a heavy emphasis on creation. And they just couldn't wrap their heads around how to, like, both move the camera and walk at the same time. Like, they would do that thing where they would move forward, they would stop, they would turn the right analog stick... They would move forward, they would stop, they would turn the right analog stick. 
and eventually just after a point i was just like all right this isn't the game for you it's always that second analog stick um like even even like my mom my mom can be good at uh some racing games not necessarily mario kart because i think like the items and stuff and you know the 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 somewhat need for drifting if you really want to do well um kind, kind of gets in the way of that but um something simple like an old like i remember playing it was an old xbox game there was there was some atv game that that she actually enjoyed playing but the problem was all she wanted to do is play on one specific track until she got good at it before she moved on to the next track oh it's just man. like that's that's not how games work so texas let's get back to that how was the trip did you get up to the traditional texas stuff guns and barbecue and you know kissing your sister <laughs> yeah you know, that's alabama thank you very much but sorry um, texas <laughs> yeah so i went uh i went to a shooting range um i i didn't do anything too crazy um i just it was just a pistol it's my first time at a, at a shooting range uh firing a gun for real it's pretty scary um it, it is it's it's very like like gun, uh, you, guns in canada that's not part of the culture here and i was in texas last year and i kind of to to the same point as you it it was just it was bizarre to shoot a gun like we did a pistol and a and a, and a rifle and it mm-hmm. was a it was a lot like it was yeah. pretty overwhelming i got i got a couple good um slow-mo videos uh just just of i just wanted to kind of see like how my body reacted to the recoil and whatnot and um like it's not really affecting you right like yeah you feel your hand go up right but that that's about it when when there's a little bit of recoil but um specifically just how much and how much it reverberates all the way through your arm uh, it's pretty pretty interesting to watch yeah you're Um, pretty sore by the end of it too which is kind of weird yeah, you get you get through a couple a couple boxes of uh, rounds, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 gun that I had, um, I'm not entirely sure what it was, but it had. What I appreciated about it is it had an automatic safety that you actually have to grip, uh, the pistol itself, um, to, uh, for, to disengage the safety. So you can't when you when you take your hand off it, the safety's automatically engaged, and that was I, I was absolutely okay with that. Um, Anyway, uh, guns were fun. Uh, it's something my mom wanted to do for her birthday, um, and you know, I, I made it happen. Um, what a good son! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, fantastic. Pulled my my travel points to make the whole trip happen, which was great. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it was me, my mom, and uh, my girlfriend. We had a great time going to the beach. Um, we the Galveston has a pier. Not not. It's a lot smaller. And, but not too dissimilar to like the pier in uh, Santa Monica, the Santa Monica pier, um, right. with with the rides and stuff. There's a Ferris wheel at the end of it and things like that. It's a lot smaller, more condensed, but um, you know, it, it, it gave me the rem, rem, reminded me of those California vibes and, and stuff, which was really really nice. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, we went to we went to an aquarium, uh, Moody Gardens out there. That was pretty fun. Um, I guess through all this traveling, you probably didn't have much time for gaming, which is the whole, you know, premise of this show, but (laughs) yeah, not too much time, but I made a point to actually, uh, test out specifically stadia on public, uh, fi in, um, airports. 
Uh, so I tried it in um, in Toronto. The Toronto uh, free public Wi-Fi worked absolutely phenomenally. Stadia works on that public Wi-Fi. Then I tried it again in Atlanta where I had my uh, layover, uh, and it absolutely worked. Uh, no issues, no nothing. Um, I didn't. I didn't get to try it in uh, Houston uh, at the airport because you know we were coming and going out of there and just wanted to get to a hotel and stuff and and back home and whatnot. Yeah, so I, I guess given that your flights into that. and out of Houston were domestic, you didn't have as much time in the terminal as you did at say Atlanta or Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, the three-star hotel internet Wi-Fi that 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 I had access to, I I gave it a shot. Not as reliable as <laughs> surprise, it surprise, surprise, surprise. Three-star hotel, three-star internet. Um, but uh, I, I I didn't try dropping uh, the Stadia settings down all the way down to uh, I think the the basic function, which is 720p. But um, yeah, I was just playing. Uh, I was trying to play something a little more actiony, like uh, which uh, uh, which is the Tomb Raider reboot. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know that's still a good fun game. Uh, it holds up, uh, even though there's a handful of years uh, in between it and the original Uncharted, uh, really well. It's a good follow up to Uncharted. It learned a lot from Uncharted, yeah. and it, it's super fun. Um, but uh, sorry, I know this is long winded, but <laughs> one super uh, weird thing that keeps happening to me um, is uh, I'll go through phases of wanting to play Pokemon Go. As do um, we all, except yes. Cozy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, never want to play that game. No, you never want to stop. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> oh. So, so <laughs> yeah. So, um, when you're tra- when traveling, it triggers something in your brain like, hey, I haven't played Pokemon Go in a long time. I wonder if there's anything cool nearby. So... Uh, in in, a, in the airports that I was in uh, and stuff like that, you know, I, I pulled my phone out and I started, you know, kind of getting back into it and playing it again a little bit. Um, how long this this uh, urge to play uh, will last is still to be determined, but I did just break out my uh, uh, Pokeball Plus and yeah. reconnect it to my phone and, and mm. whatnot, so... Um, that's the thing that's happening. Yeah, I think we could talk for like an hour and a half on Pokemon Go. I think we absolutely. Do have, uh, sorry, Cozy. Yeah, make... I, I do want to briefly ask a quick question. So yeah. there are certain regional Pokemon around the world. Here in North America, uh, it's common to be able to find uh, Tauros. Uh, basically, up until like I'd say midway through Quebec, down until the bottom of Texas. Am mm. I assuming that you are still above the Tauros line? Yeah, Texas would still be Tauros. I was actually yeah. more interested in the other regionals that are more specific to like the southern U.S., like uh, Heracross, Corsola, exactly. Carnivine. I was going to ask that because, yeah. like, if you're just directly below the Tauros line, you get access to Corsola and Heracross, which is those two guys are pretty rare. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not see any of those. Um, I did do one uh, raid in an airport, um, <laughs> and I got a. Uh, Charmander with a birthday hat, which oh, is great. Cool. Uh, and I named him Houston after the town I found him in. Yeah, we're so. going to talk about that Pokemon in a bit. Trust me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Just, you know, quick tangent. 
uh, cozy. I've got some of those regionals from when I was in Florida. So if we ever, you know, Ooh, nice. meet up, I've got I've got some extras for you. Don't you worry. Okay, I'm gonna warn you. I've gotten a lot of regionals myself through <laughs> trading, so you might be surprised by what gaps I'm missing. But certainly, I'd be more than happy to trade. Regardless. Fair enough. Okay, cozy. Uh, since your list is not nearly as long of the things you've done as as Alex, uh, what have mm -hmm. you been up to this week? That's who? Uh, yeah. So the two big games uh, that I've been playing this week that I haven't really talked about previously are Dreams and Bloodroots. Um, I decided to get Dreams because it was brought up recently on a, another podcast I recorded, like, hey, um, considering that you're going for the kind of funny up-and-comer nomination, have you shown much of an interest in Dreams, considering that, you know, in the past you've made video games for KFAF, and kind of funny right now seems pretty into Dreams, and like, you know, I feel like I kind of need to get into it, and eventually, after the most recent Pokemon Go Community Day, I was downtown, I was near an EB Games, and eventually it was just like, ah, screw it. And I just went in, purchased uh, Dreams, brought it home. Uh, and I've been having a lot of fun messing around with it. And by messing around with it, I mean almost exclusively playing other people's Dreams <laughs> and holding off on the creation side of things. I have a question about Dreams. Sure. Uh, you said you bought it at a store physically. Yeah. yeah. What made you buy it? want to buy it physically versus uh digitally or even in the early access when that was a thing uh i i mean to be honest it was it was so like with regards to uh the her whole early access thing um at the time i think that i just like one when it first went into early access what motivated me to get it uh, a few weeks ago um the, the my whole like kind of funny up-and-comer campaign that wasn't really something that was on my mind and you know i was i would say that i was just pretty distracted at the time i would say that i was also a little bit pessimistic on dreams as prospects i didn't get the sense that it was really gonna blow up and become this huge thing i was under the impression you know it probably will in, in have a similar lifespan as project spark on the xbox one and that it will you know enjoy uh, a degree of popularity for a few years and then it will just gradually get snuffed out uh but you know obviously that didn't happen it's remained pretty continuously popular and it seems like it has legs and is going to be with us for some time to come and so that it that's why i kind of held off on getting it uh in early access uh and with regards to why i got it in store i mean it was just kind of a thing where like i said i was there was an eb games nearby and it was like it was a spur of the moment thing. Right, play, right place, right out. time for, yeah, for them exactly. to get your money. Stars aligned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so far, uh, I've been enjoying a lot of the dreams that people have made. I will say they are, uh, I'm of two minds or of one mind. I do think that it is a little bit, perhaps ever so slightly overblown how great some of these dreams are. Some of them have their rough edges well a lot a lot of them have the rough edges and corners and aspects about them that is not as polished as they could have been i'm um i remember in the during uh the early access period for this game one of the games that was made during it one of the dreams i should say that was made uh, during it was a full version of silent hills the game that pt from hideo kojima was supposedly teasing and I've been playing through Silent Hills uh, on stream for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and like A for effort, it's really impressive how they took the what little uh, like material there was in the PT demo and managed to turn it into a game. 
it's not that impressive. Like, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it. It's, when you play it, you'll be like, okay, this is like, for the amount of, there clearly an incredible amount of time and effort went into this thing's creation. It's not something that would hold up to any actual legitimate Silent Hill game. Um, but I'm excited to see what gets made next uh, in the platform. It's clear that it's still in its early days and that bigger and better games uh, have yet to be made on it. So the next game that you mentioned is one I've actually been really interested in hearing you talk about, and that's Bloodroots. Uh, full transparency, a code for this game was provided to the podcast crew, so take anything Cozy says with a grain of salt, but I'm still very, very interested in what you got to say. Uh, yeah, so my relationship with this game is interesting in that uh, I actually first played it, uh, I'd like to say maybe eight, nine months ago, uh, at this place called Gameplay Space in Montreal. Uh, basically, Gameplay Space is a uh, gigantic space. Ah, damn it, I was trying to think of a better word than just space. Uh, basically, it's an office uh, that allows a bunch of smaller independent developers located here in Montreal to work together collaboratively on their own independent gaming projects and receive mentorship and training from like older uh, senior industry uh, people in Montreal and basically show off and get feedback uh, on their games from both other people in the space and also from the public. And usually the way that they do the latter is they'll host uh, gameplay space demo nights, uh, usually like once a month. Uh, and I went to one of these demo nights uh, eight or nine months ago, and Bloodroots is one of the games that was playable. And like, you know, obviously Gameplay Space is a great place. Uh, God damn, I need to stop saying place or space. Part, part of us doing this show is, you know, increasing our vocabulary and our ability to speak yeah. on demand. And I mean, I notice I use a lot of ums and ahs. And I mean, we're all working on this as the show grows, but that's part of it, right? Is growing together. Yeah. Going it, back and listen to the first episode compared to what will be this episode. And it's probably night and day, right? Oh, for sure. So yeah, you know, obviously I really appreciate what uh, gameplay space does for the industry. Uh, but you know, and like I'm not trying to be harsh in saying this, but a lot of the games that get shown off typically at these demo nights, you know, they're they're works in progresses. They're a little bit rough. They aren't fully polished. They have interesting ideas at play, but they're not quite fully feature complete experiences just yet. And if they are, they don't always necessarily appeal directly to me. Uh, but Bloodroots was a rare exception where I played Bloodroots and I was instantaneously like, oh shit. This is like both incredibly polished and like really, really, really appealing to me. Uh, and I sort of kept it at the back of my mind. And when you said, hey, you know, we've got a code for Bloodroots, I was like, by all means, send it my way. I will 100% play it because if it's as good as what I played um, back at Gameplay Space eight or nine months ago, I'm sure it is just as great to get a, if not better. So, uh, so this is an action game sort of in the vein of Hotline Miami and things of that nature, right? Where you're using the environment to progress and combo and, and kill all the things, essentially, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, I, I played Hotline Miami way back in the day because that was like one of those much-discussed uh, PlayStation Vita games during that console's life cycle. 
and I, to be honest, I could not get into it. What I did, what I didn't like, is just how kind of turnkey the whole thing felt. Of like, you have to go up to a person and you have to immediately kill them, and if you don't kill them exactly at the right time and in exactly the right order, you immediately die. Uh, and uh, Bloodroots is not dissimilar to that, but I find that Bloodroots leaves a lot more room, and this is just my opinion, and again, I did not play a whole lot of Hotline Miami, but I feel like Bloodroots leaves a lot more uh, room open to experimentation and discovery, and is not, while there is a degree of puzzle solving involved in terms of defeating some enemies, it is not quite as turnkey, at least in my experience. I'm I'm with you on that Hotline Miami take. I always felt like it was hurt, like the game was always telling you to go a specific path no matter what, and it was very much just solve this part of the puzzle to get to the next part, and I'd be banging my head against the wall trying to figure it out. So mm -hmm. hearing that this is a little more open-ended, it has me very much intrigued. So one of the big things about Bloodroots is that uh, as you said earlier, there are all sorts of uh, items strewn around the environments. You have axes, you have guns, uh, you have swords. And picking up uh, a weapon is always such an incredible moment because you never quite know uh, what you're going to get. You could, uh, you'll pick up a sword and you think, oh, you know, this is just going to, obviously it's going to cut an enemy in half, of course. But not only will it do that, but it will also like propel you forward at a rapid speed when you do it. Uh, like, you know, in a Japanese anime where somebody slices somebody in half uh, and then it went rapid speed and then that enemy slowly uh, falls apart into two pieces. Um, you'll pick up a chainsaw and it will be a similar sort of thing where like you go forward, but it will be more like a slow uh, progression into like a quick uh, swipe where you basically cleave anything in two that's in your way. Uh, you'll pick up a gun and again, it'll work the way that you function, but it'll feel just a little bit different uh, from how you expect. Basically, what makes this game so entertaining, especially during the first uh, few kind of hours, is just going into an area and being like, okay, I'm going to pick up this item. In what way is it going to surprise me in the way that it kills enemies? Um, and what also is kind of impressive, and I did not know this going into it based on the limited demo I played a few months ago, is that uh, the game eventually starts forcing you to use all of your weapon's unique functionalities to perform some basic platforming. So for example, it'll ask you to use the sword uh, to kind of cross gaps. Because uh, the idea is that like when you're uh, going forward at high speeds, you're like, you're not being affected by gravity, you're not falling down. Right. Um, you'll, you'll jump on a barrel and normally a barrel will uh, basically, you'll kind of like walk on the barrel while the barrel goes forward and kills whatever uh, comes in its path, but also the barrel will allow you to kind of safely go across spikes. So you'll come across certain areas where you have to use a barrel to progress over spikes. And um, while I have not beaten Bloodroots yet, I did make a specific point of getting to the boss of the first act and beating it. And that boss fight is spectacular. And one of the reasons why it is spectacular is in addition to uh, kind of uh, giving you a wide array of weapons and you know making you go ham on uh, pretty much every enemy type that you've encountered uh, throughout the levels of the game thus far it also forces you to uh, use all of the kind of like knowledge of the weapon secondary effects that the barrel can go across spikes that the swords allow you to cross gaps and use those as well as you face off against the final boss 
That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one I'm going to keep on my radar. I mean, there's a lot of games I'm playing right now, so it's probably not one I can get to at the moment, but that definitely sounds like something I want to I want to get my hands on for sure. I just wanted to ask, like, uh, so I know we got, or Mitch, when you got it, you got an Epic Game Store code. Is it available on other platforms, or is it just PC right now? So my understanding is it's on uh, PC via the Epic Game Store, PS4, and the Nintendo Switch. Oh, okay. Which is where I'm probably going to end up picking it up. Yeah, me too. It feels like one of those on-the-go experiences, at least for me. Yeah, I um, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna complete it on the Epic Game Store version first, and then after that, I'm probably gonna pick it up on the PlayStation Network. I was looking over the trophy list. Uh, <laughs> of course, of you course. were. Uh, and I, I mean, I will say it's not that challenging there are some trophies like there are hats for example that you can get in the game that grant you additional uh, abilities and whatnot and apparently some of them seem to be pretty rare you also have to uh, find hidden wolves throughout all the levels for the most part though it's not that bad let me trophies. let me guess it's got a platinum i mean yes it does have a platinum <laughs> yeah so that's why you're interested in the friggin' trophies yeah but it, it really it, it, like i was fearful that there were going to be trophies of like complete the entire game without dying complete the entire game in i don't know 30 minutes or whatever but yeah there's not anything nearly as bad as that so, so it's an approachable trophy list which sounds you know encouraging that that developers are getting away from these sort of limiting trophies of do things that only like 0.01 percent of your players are going to be able to do yeah just to be able to say i got the platinum which i appreciate now, I know it's been a few weeks, and this list is very, very long. So, Alex, quick fire. I'm going to jump into a couple of these, so my section's a lot smaller. But okay. what have you been up to over the last couple of weeks? Okay, so because I missed last week, uh, the reason why I missed last week was because I went and saw Cats again in theaters. Why? Because... Are we not more entertaining than Cats? Uh, and not this version of Cats, because it was a lot of drunk people all yelling and very rowdy at the screen it was a burlesque show so there were the people hell? stripping it was what? wild that sounds like a that. terrible movie watching experience i went in kind of buzzed because i'm like there's no way i'm doing this sober and i forgot all of the it was the it was the fucked up animation version too where like there was like you could see Judy Dench's ring finger, and not all the animation was complete. Oh, they, it, the the one before they issued the update. Yeah, the, the pre-patched version. And it <laughs> Love was that we're patching movies now. Yeah, I know. It's what a what a world we live in now. But it was a a nightmare come to life, and I loved every second of it again. You're a monster. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. I mean, honestly, if the if you ever have the misfortune of having to see cats at least have some type of substance, preferably legal substance involved. Depending um, on where you live, that could be limited to alcohol or a lot more than that. So yeah. use your um, own discretion. Yeah, but like you need to have something when watching it because it's a nightmare, but I enjoyed every second of it. All right, let's move on. What else okay. have you been up to? So before Preferably that, gaming related. Okay, well, this is kind of gaming related. I cool. watched a lot of movies the last two weeks. You uh, always friggin' do. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, this is one I actually saw with you. We went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, we did. And you saved the conversation for me, which I really I, appreciated. I did, because no one else on the show would want to talk about it with me. But yes, yeah, so you and I went and we saw Sonic the Hedgehog with a bunch of other kind of funny best friends. 
and it was a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I was kind of expecting it to be a complete dumpster fire, and it really wasn't. It was very okay, which I don't know, like, which I guess in my mind made it better for me because I was expecting complete shit. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, and so I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I think I still kind of wish that we got the other version of it. I'm so glad we didn't. It I, would not have worked on the screen. It would have looked terrible. I, it would I'm have, sorry. I'm with Alex. It would I, have been more visually, like, because, like, interesting. Yeah, like, I would have just been, like, it would have been like watching Cats. It would have just been a nightmare. <laughs> no, that, it would have been like watching the Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo that didn't make any sense. This was way better. Film. That's a perfect film. You're wrong. Okay. Honestly, well. I just I guess I just like to subject myself to horrible monstrosities that it are seems trying that to way. invoke emotion. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jim Carrey I think did a really good job in yeah. his role as Robotnik. I like that I like that Sonic gave him the nickname Eggman by the end of the movie, based on the fact that he has egg shaped turret drone things. He was the best part of the movie. And James Marsden I feel like did a very good job as the human protagonist. No one else in the film really stands out to me though. Except for the crazy guy. It's nice to see him do something that's not Cyclops and getting screwed over <laughs> as Cyclops. So, you know what? I'm okay did, with him in that. Did Okay. Did Sonic kiss a human like in Sonic 06? No. Thank no. God. That's that's for the okay. sequel. He does, have okay. a, he does have a very touching moment with a younger character in the film who gifts him his signature sneakers. And that was nice. Ooh. Like there, there's nothing about the movie that's that was utterly trash. But there's nothing that makes it stand out. There's just these little moments that are nice. It was a nice yeah. movie. It sucks though that the bar for video game movies is so low that Sonic is considered the best. And it honestly it's is. It's not. I would say it's probably the best video game movie. I would argue with you and talk about. Let me get, give me a second to talk about the one thing I saw this week, which was to tie into Pokemon Day and the events that they had in Pokemon Go and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Arguably, the best thing to come out of Pokemon Day 2020 was the fact that Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution... Is that the, the one that looks like a monster fire of anime? Like, it looks really yes. ugly. It's, it's, it's a 3D animated film that is a remake of Pokemon the first movie, released on Netflix in most markets, I believe. And it was really good! Is it like a complete shot-for-shot remake? Pretty much. There were some things that I noticed, like there during the fight between the Venusaur and the clone Venusaur, the the Venusaur uses Energy Ball, the clone Venusaur uses Leaf Storm. Those moves didn't exist in Gen 1, and I'm getting nitty-gritty with some of these nitpicks. It was a good movie. It was a good movie when it came out, and the remake was also very good. Uh, I have a question. So what I've, from what I understand, this movie is like an hour and a half long, correct? Roughly. Does is there any like interesting new content in that hour and a half that was not present in the original uh, version of the movie? No, but okay. the animation it, is re- like you you said the animation looked god awful, and I agree that the human characters do, but the animation that was me the, for the record. Well, sorry, yeah, yeah. Alex said that the other Alex that isn't cozy. This gets, this is tough. Okay. I'm doing my best. You're surrounded by three of us. I know. I'm the only non Alex on the show this week. What a loser. No, I'm, I'm the individual. I stand out. The, the, the fights, the combat in the movie was actually really well done. Like 
it was shot for shot, more or less a remake, but I still really enjoyed it because that was a movie I really haven't seen since I was a kid. And the nostalgia all just came rushing back to me. It was really, really nice to sit down and watch that. Hmm. Okay. I, the, the only reason I asked that is because, uh, you know, I love the Pokemon movies growing up, but one thing that I kind of took note of, especially as I grew older, is just how short some of those movies are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the, the second one, uh, Pokemon 2000, The Power of One, is only like an hour and eight minutes long. And that's the perfect length for a Pokemon film, I would argue. I mean, it, it, it is. <laughs> it, it is, especially when you get older. But it is, it, it's kind of shocking that these, you know, gigantic movies, which seemed so momentous at the time when you first saw them, are like barely more than three episodes long. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Alex, what else have you been up to this last okay. couple of weeks? Okay, I'm going to rapid fire through these. I finished Guacamelee. Very fun. Yay. Uh, very fun game. It's a lot more linear than Hollow Knight, which I really appreciated because that's what I really needed at the time. And also just doing wrestling moves on skeletons is always satisfying. It was a very satisfying experience. I can't wait to play the second one. I started Katana Zero. I already played some of it beforehand. Katana Zero is great. It's like a neo-cyberpunky neo kind of like game where you play a samurai and it's just a lot of fun i'm really enjoying it right now i just love the aesthetic of it and the music and it just makes you feel like a badass because one of the really cool things about it is every time you complete a every time you complete a room it shows you the replay of it without like any of the because you have an ability to like slow down time and stuff it doesn't show any of that so it makes it look like you're way more badass than you actually are really like it i can't wait to get to the end of it i'm probably pretty close awesome uh, and finally, well, I'm going to cut this. I'm going to cut one of the things that I did. I watched Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall. Good movies, one bad. Um, but finally, and this is something you can jump on, uh, Mitch. Yes, it is. Let's do played, it. We both played the Final Fantasy VII remake demo. That just oh, my came God. Out. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Now, I never played Final Fantasy VII. I Dude, have same no reference to it at all. All I know is like the one big spoiler to the game, which I won't say because now it's going to be relevant again. But I know that, and that's about it. And oh my god, that game is really, really awesome. I had a blast. It's so fluid in its in its uh, live combat. It, like you don't, there's no turn base at all, but you can still kind of like pause time. Or you can choose all your uh, moves as, like, in the middle of combat without having to pause stuff. It really lets you kind of, like, be versatile in how you want to take on the action. And I think I'm going to have to buy this game when it comes out in April. Honestly, I was in the same boat. I've never actually played a Final Fantasy game proper. I've played Tactics a little bit on the PSP port to the Vita. The, ver or the, whatever, whatever they did with their, you could play PSP on Vita. And I did buy Final Fantasy X, X2 Remaster for the Switch and never really got to it. I feel like I'm going to now, and I want to play this game so bad. Final Fantasy VII Remake looks so good. It plays so good. It reminds me a lot of the combat in Kingdom Hearts, which I know a lot of people will give Kingdom Hearts crap, but one thing that it did do well is that I really enjoyed the combat mechanics. So I'm I'm with you. I my wallet hates me right now, but it's oh, gonna be yeah. a little lighter come April. And oh God, this, I'm not looking forward to it. But March, I am. I mean, this month already is it's screaming Animal at Crossing me. and Doom on the same mostly, mostly Animal Crossing, but also Doom uh, on the same <laughs> on the same fucking day too. And then like two weeks later, Final Fantasy comes out, and so I don't know what I'm gonna do. 
you're gonna play them both you're gonna quit yeah. school and you're yeah. gonna friggin' enjoy it yeah i can't wait <laughs> i'm just gonna be a full-time podcaster okay the other thing that i'll say i got to this week is i finished the main story of the division two and enjoyed it so much that i went out and bought the warlords in new york dlc Mm, wow so that was a big investment for me in terms of you know i wasn't planning on investing this much time in this game and now it's really got its hooks in me so hopefully next week or the week after i'll have more to report back on uh warlords in new york i jumped into it a bit when it the day it released and had a good time uh but i'm i'm really hoping that it opens up for me over the next week or two so we'll report back on that so but, ubisoft's gamble of re- of making the game stupid cheap has paid off clearly I, it got $40 Canadian out of me. So, yeah, it's definitely paying off for them. So, now that we've gotten through that and took way longer than it should have, <laughs> let's get into the news for the week. Ready, set, go. News drop. So, the first major piece of news is one that I'm sort of wrapping a bunch of stories into. And that's that COVID-19 is running amok amongst the entire globe and is impacting the video game industry in a relatively significant way. So right around the time the podcast posted last week, GDC was officially delayed to the summer. I would argue that it'll likely end up getting canceled, but at the moment, officially delayed. And the industry has rallied around individuals who were going to either give talks or had already invested a significant uh, amount of money into attending GDC and will be offering different ways online to share amongst themselves, which is really nice. That news being pulled from gamesindustry.biz from James Batchelor, and essentially a bunch of different smaller organizations are setting up ways for people to share their content online and still do the networking they would have done at GDC, which is very cool. And towards the end of this i'll ask you guys a question uh related to this the next little bit of news around this is that the esa had been saying they were going to move ahead with e3 2020 despite the coronavirus concerns which was actually updated just hours before we recorded this podcast so Mm. the city of los angeles has declared and let me find the article so i don't misquote and scare anybody they have declared a state of emergency and the ESA has issued a new statement on the situation surrounding E3. They will continue to monitor the situation with the CDC and the WHO, and honestly, at this point, I can't see E3 happening this year either, which is crazy. I think it was fortuitous on Sony's part that they started doing these PlayStation Direct-style presentations because now they can do a similar one for this year's E3, and nobody's going to think it's that weird. So the question I want to ask you guys is with GDC, you know, pivoting and being mostly online this year due to people making the arrangements to be able to share that stuff online. And then you have to imagine a bunch of developers now are going to move their presence that they were planning on activating around E3 to the web. Is this the end of E3? I mean, I feel like we've been asking that question every single time something (laughs) happens. Right, but I think this time it's a legitimate question to ask because if it doesn't happen this year and developers see that they can do this themselves and not spend the money, do we think E3 is dead? E3 is already kind of on life support. I, I, I remain hopeful that it can continue in some fashion where as an event that the industry gets together uh, and, and 
and, and announces all their things and and we 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 as gamers can rally together and and celebrate the, everything that we love and everything coming out at the end of the year but honestly this the the coronavirus uh with regards to this like i said e3 is already on life support like this things are this just made things a lot more dire for sure i mean i think a lot of ways the game awards have kind of taken the place of e3 in a lot of respects of having like a lot of industry people all coming together announcements for future games all being unveiled and so i think having a more sort of like a better cause to because like the purpose of e3 is irrelevant now because it used to be a trade show and now they don't need that anymore and so having the having all of like the fun parts of e3 that we all like being more centered around the game awards i think is probably the best case scenario that we're gonna find to have an event like it I mean, I could also see the best case scenario being that most of these demos and, and things like that will ma- be made available to a larger segment of the general public online. You have to think, with the, the, the timely release of the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo on PSN, a week after they were supposed to be at PAX East with the game, I know a, a month or two ago it leaked that this the assets were on PSN, so it was only a matter of time before the demo released. Do you feel like they might have pushed that up because of the news coming out around PAX and now with uh, what's happening with GDC and inevitably what's going to happen with E3? Do you think this is going to be another opportunity for developers to just try and get directly to the consumer as opposed to, you know, having to rely on these trade shows? I mean, I think one thing that we have to ask is, do you think that Sony right now has the infrastructure to be able to like one thing I was uh, thinking of uh, as we've been going over all these points is like do you think that Sony is going to try and lean in uh, more heavily to what Jeff Keighley was experimenting with previously and kind of getting demos into consumers hands at homes uh, as they're being kind of debuted at these uh, E3 style presentations or whatnot I kind of hope so I mean, I don't want developers to have to push to release a small vertical slice to the general public, whereas the demos that are presented to industry at trade shows like this are with the caveat that, yes, this is very much a work in progress. It will be broken. It will be buggy. Yeah, general I, public I think, don't really have that like that um, understanding. They'll just see it as a defective product and then therefore not buy the full game when it comes out because they're gonna their initial first experience has been tainted exactly if if i'm yeah if i'm not mistaken like that's a big reason why like uh after the xbox 360 generation demos for things steeply dropped off is because people start started getting their fill of a game through the demo yeah, uh, and then just not buying it. I've noticed that a lot of the time when you do see demos, it's usually after the game has come out that they can like then take a small section of it where it's already been completed. Like I know on Steam there is a, I mean I hate to bring it up again, but there is a Doom demo, there is the Resident Evil 2 demo, um, there's things like that that, I think the Resident Evil 1 came out before the game, but it was like so close to release that I think they had already gone gold. I don't know if that's true or not but it was close enough that they could easily take a small section of the game where i mean oh go ahead with with a caveat like it's it's hard to say okay the game is done let's just slice a piece of this and release it like that there's still a lot of work that developers have to put into releasing these these small one-off builds and i i do agree that get the main piece of work done first 
then put out a slice to, you know, white consumers appetite. But you can also look at a situation like uh, Nintendo dealt with on the 3DS where they released demos for, I believe it was the remakes of Ruby and Sapphire and the internet data mined the ever living crap out of it. They pulled everything out of that demo because all of the assets that were going to be in the game were in the demo. They had just sliced it so that you could only access a specific part. So I can also see that being a reason not to want to do these kind of things because it's harder. Like you're gonna, you're, you end up having to put a lot more work into securing this vertical slice that you wouldn't necessarily need to do for the final product. Is so there, it, it's a weird balance to try to strike for sure. I was gonna say though, is there like that same concern though if the entire demo is being streamed? Maybe not. I I don't know what the logistics. Of I mean, all the all of the other you know concerns that you brought up are still relevant. But I do think that 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 at least that problem is solved if the game is like physically well digitally not on the hardware that you're playing it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe with these cloud platforms becoming more prevalent with Stadia, X Cloud, and presumably PlayStation Now, or whatever that ends up being for the PlayStation Five. It could just be a, a harken back to the time demos that they had for a while there on, on was it PS3 or PS4? Where you basically mm-hmm. got like, you could play the game for a half hour or an hour and then it would just shut it down. You could potentially do something like that with the cloud and then there's less risk of the game leaking. That's certainly a possibility. Uh, the, one, the last thing I wanted to bring up on the discussion of E3 and the ESA is do you think that the ESA tries to debut some sort of new show that's like a successor to E3, but that is a little bit more smaller scale and is more uh, consumer focused than it is industry executive focused? Or do you think that the ESA even does something else at all? It's, I think time's going to have to tell with this one. I think the E3 brand itself does still hold a lot of credence and maybe it would just be, they would officially license that to work with another partner that could put on a show but i i just if e3 gets canceled this year and publishers and developers realize they can do this on their own and save a significant chunk of money if it doesn't cut into their bottom line i i could see this being the end of e3 but we're gonna have to wait and see we're also gonna have to wait and see what comes out of a newly announced studio which is a first party studio for google so Google's announced that they're opening a new studio in Playa Vista, California, and the ex-Sony Santa Monica studio head Shannon Studstill will be overseeing the team. They'll be creating exclusive games for Google's new platform, and it's this is really interesting because I think we all kind of agreed that when Google Stadia came out, it came out to a bit of you know negative fanfare. But to see Google still investing the dollars that it, it would take to start up a new studio, do we feel like Google is, you know, a serious player in the gaming industry moving forward? Or is this more so them just saving face with the way the internet has initially reacted to Google Stadia? Uh, I think, I think, uh, uh, yeah. So I think like, I'll, like a lot of things, time will have to tell with this one because yeah, they've just started the studio, but it's going to be what? three two three years before we see anything from this so a lot can happen in that time and so i'm still extraordinarily skeptical of specifically google's involvement in gaming because they're known to drop stuff when it's not immediately turning a profit rest in peace google plus even though we're using it um but (laughs) you know um just like i 
I think this is an interesting pickup that they got. Um, uh, her name's Shannon, right? From from Santa Monica. Um, Shannon stud still, yes. Yeah, stud still. Um, I think that's a really interesting pickup. They've got a lot of talented people that they've been accumulating, but so far we haven't seen anything from them, and so that's what still makes me skeptical. Yeah, because this this uh, news release actually came via a Google blog post from Jade Raymond, famously of. Uh, what did she work on again? U- Ubisoft. Oh, yes. yeah. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yes. It's another and person who we haven't seen anything from. With the fact that she's heading up, you know, she's the VP of Stadia Games and Entertainment is, you know, a good sign to get someone who's such an industry veteran, as well as the fact that, like, this isn't their, they have, they also started their first internal development studio in Montreal last October, yep. as well as in December acquired another Montreal developer, Typhoon Studios. So, I mean, they're throwing some major dollars and cents at the Stadia project, but... T- only time is going to tell if this ends up being a success or not. Yeah. Also, you, will anyone even be using Stadia by the time that these games are ready? That is fair. But you know what people are still using? Their PlayStation 2s, which celebrated Ooh. its 20th anniversary this week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the PlayStation 2. Happy birthday. The PlayStation bon, 2 is a retro console. Bonfet. Well, I... Ouch. That Ouch, hurts. Alex. Yeah. Ouch. Like, I mean, technically, if you think about it, so is the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, but I don't want to get into that. I pulled this out of the closet today because I had a hanker in to play some GBA games. What is that? No one can see that. What I am holding up is my DS Lite. And you could even look at the DS, even though you can still play these games on the 3DS. That is a retro console. And I know, Cozy, you're going to pull yours out because you've still been playing Pokemon Emerald. Am I right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> I just know him pretty well at this point. Aww. So what I wanted to ask you guys on the 20th anniversary of the PS2, what is, for you, the definitive PS2 game? Like, what had the largest impact on you as a gamer and got you to the point where you're recording this barely listened to podcast tonight? As Alex leans out of frame, I will jump out uh, out of the woodwork here and just say GTA Vice City was the Ooh, biggest. That's a good one biggest biggest one for me growing up like i never had my own ps2 unfortunately but like vice city was the one everybody was talking about when i was in elementary school because you know i'm an old fart at the moment i mean i wouldn't say that that makes you an old fart but i mean hey i'll be 30 this weekend so i'm kind of old well happy early birthday thanks all right cozy what's your definitive ps2 game uh i mean it's pretty unequivocally kingdom hearts one uh, and so there were a lot of interesting things surrounding me getting that game in that uh, I purchased it around 2008-ish because what happened was is for the longest time I was a Nintendo gamer uh, and then at a certain point my cousins who typically own PlayStation consoles were like, hey, do you want to just take home my old PlayStation 2? I'm like, yeah, sure, not a problem. So I took it off his hands and I'm like, I want to get some because it came but he passed along with it like copies of Grand Theft Auto Vice City and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and a couple of other licensed games but I wanted to get games of my own to fill up my collection at the time you could still go into like an EB games and get shrink wrapped copies of like Shadow of the Colossus and Kingdom Hearts 1 and other PlayStation classics so the, the thing that stands out to me with that generation is not even just going into an EB games it was going to Blockbuster 
Oh, or or Rogers video up here in Canada and renting wow piles upon piles of video games. That was jumbo for me. video. Oh, yeah. uh, not With so the much popcorn. Come on, <laughs> go ahead, cozy. I just wanted to bring it, like I miss renting games. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I'm not gonna talk too much about it here because I'm sure I'll talk more about Kingdom Hearts in the future. More um, like Kingdom Hearts. Oh, we're gonna have a hot takes episode, and we will discuss some of these things. I'm sure. But anyways, that one down. what was funny about it, though, is at the time, I didn't really know what Kingdom Hearts was. Uh, I uh, Later on, I would recall actually seeing GIFs and images of it online. But at the time, I'm like, oh, I've never really seen or heard of this game before. And I picked it up totally on a whim, and I brought it home, and I it really got its hooks in me. And I that experience stands out to me because I feel like nowadays, if any of us are going to pick up a game from a video game store, we're going to all do extensive research into it beforehand. Uh, but that was a case where I purchased it without doing almost any research and it totally paid off and I really enjoyed myself and it definitely broadened my horizons to the fact that there were really special heartfelt experiences on platforms other than Nintendo's. So for me, I have a very interesting story specifically around Kingdom Hearts. I remember to this day, I went into Blockbuster, I rented it and I couldn't get off the first island. Hmm. I spent three or four days trying to figure out how to get off that stupid. And this is me, you know, 10, 11 year old kid, not knowing really what was what when it came to that game. Cause that game came out when I was 10, which makes me feel old. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is the mem. Like I, I did eventually go back and finish it when I was playing all the games leading up to the release of kingdom hearts three. But that is like my most vivid memory of that franchise is that I was a dumb kid and couldn't get off the first <laughs> Island. All right, Alex, I know you were still a baby when this system came out 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, Do you have a definitive PS2 game or well, experience? Well, here's the thing is I've never played a PlayStation 2. Like Holy shit. I okay, I grew up with an I grew up with an original Xbox. Like I had Hell yeah. So like I had never the first PlayStation console I played was the PlayStation 3. I've never even touched a place. I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Everyone owned a PS2 because it was the most efficient DVD player to buy. It wasn't even for the friggin' games. Everyone had it as a goddamn DVD player. Apparently, I lived in fucking Bizarro Land because literally everyone on the block had Xboxes to play Halo (laughs) System Link. Hell yeah. Yeah. You're you're wrong. You're too young, and I hate you. Can I... I'm going to pick a game that was... Actually, no. I played... God of War 2 on an emulator last year. That's my answer. That's a shitty right. answer. It was a good game. Very good game. It was a good game. You just stole I, my I, answer made, to this. It made me uh like uh, it made me uh quite interested in Greek mythology that I've done a lot of uh research into since because I was a big fan of Norse mythology ever since playing uh God of War 2018 and so I like seeing the parallels between Greek and Norse mythology. Can I say something quickly on God of War? Of course. Uh, That was, after playing Kingdom Hearts 1, that was one of the other uh, games that I picked up specifically myself to play on my PlayStation 2. And I really appreciated the uh, art in the instruction booklet for that game. Like, the instruction booklet for God of War 1 is... But it's it's really awesome. And, you know, it's too bad that, unfortunately, instruction booklets are no longer really a thing. Rest in peace. Well, given that Alex stole my answer of God of War 2, <laughs> my definitive PS2 experience is going to be a little bit of a strange one, too, in that it was Resident Evil 4. Oh. Because I did not own a GameCube. 
my friends did, but I owned a PS2. So when that game came to the PS2, oh my God, it changed my life. Like that game is probably like the moment where it's like, oh yeah, games are like games are for me. Like I was the Nintendo kid where I played Mario, I played Pokemon, that was about it. It was getting Resident Evil before that. I realized, oh yeah, no, games are more than just what I've experienced them as for the first 10, 15 years of my life. So that for me was probably the the turning point uh, and that's why Resident Evil 4, for me, is a definitive PS2 experience. Real quick, um, somewhat tangentially related to old video games, uh, just quickly rapid fire off, what's your first video game memory? Halo Driver Combat shit. Evolved driving around. Hell yeah. That's yeah, I was one. driving around on Halo. Cozy? It was... All right, go ahead. No. no. Uh, right, okay, Mitch. so mine was... Sitting in my cousin's living room, being given an original Game Boy in the big old monster carrying case with all the games in it, and popping in, uh, it was either Alleyway or Tetris. That's really Ooh. good. Oh my god, those! And for those who aren't familiar, Alleyway was essentially a brick breaker for the Game Boy, starring Mario. Oh, wow. So you would start the game, and Mario would run over, he'd jump in the little bar, and then you would just play Brick Breaker. And it that was between that, Tetris, and Pokemon. That is all I played on my Game Boy. And I Mario, six golden coins. But I digress. I, I'm pretty certain that my first video game memory was me playing Pac-Man on a PC at somebody's house. Uh, yeah, not much else to say there. <laughs> My, mine was, I remember specifically being like three years old and my dad showing me where that first secret mushroom in Super Mario Brothers was. That the nice. first hidden block secret mushroom in World 1-1. That's my earliest video game memory. Well, you could start making some new video game memories this month in the fact that there are a bunch of deals and we are going to talk through those deals. Great. So this month, you've got coming to Xbox Game Pass on console, NBA 2K20 on March the 5th, as well as Train Sim World 2020 on the same day. Ori and the Will of the Wisps will be available on Game Pass on both console and PC on March the 11th. And P Piku Niku, which I've never heard of, will also be available for both console and PC Xbox Game Pass. On PC specifically, you'll, get, you'll gain access to the Lord of the Rings Adventure Card Game, Mother Russia Bleeds, as well as Train Sim World 2020. I didn't read this thing ahead of time. That probably would have been a good call. Uh, those will all be available during the month of March on Xbox Game Pass. I would also like to say on uh, Xbox Game Pass on PC, Halo Combat Evolved is now available. Yes, thank it, you for calling that out. Is it the oh, anniversary version? It is. Yeah, it's and it's the Master Chief Collection, essentially. I, I haven't really played it that much yet, but I've loaded it up, and ooh, <laughs> it it looks good. Yeah. I'm, i got to get back to that on I'm very on excited. I'm very excited to play it. We should um, play some Halo one day. I'm oh, down. Yeah. Except for I only have it on PC, so I don't know if that would... I don't know if there's cross-play between PC and Xbox. And xCloud, because that's the only place I have it. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know how any of that works, but we can figure that out at some we'll, point. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, so to get into some of the deals of the week, because those were Game Pass deals for the month, on Xbox this week, you can get Borderlands, for ha Borderlands 3 for half off, Borderlands Game of the Year Edition for half off, some deals on some fallouts if you're into that. 
I know we talked a bit about Guacamelia earlier. Both it and its sequel are available on the Xbox Store for 75% off. Red Dead is 50% off. Resident Evil 2 you can save a bit on, but it's still a little overpriced if you ask me. But that's because I'm not a... Other than 4, I'm not really a Resident Evil guy. Uh, You can also get discounts on games such as Rocket League and XCOM 2 at a significant discount. Over on the PSN, we've got two sales running right now. The Double Discounts PS Plus sale, as well as at least in Canada, it's branded as the games under $22. I think in the US it's games under $15. But you can pick up things like Deus Ex Mankind Divided for almost 90% off. Where So if you have not played this game, we've talked about it before, play this game. It is phenomenal and you can get it at a huge discount for this week phenomenal spelt f-u-n because it's that fun are we really getting into th- oh god yes. okay we're getting silly so i'm gonna shut them yes. up and keep going you can get uh hollow knight for half off kerbal space program for 75 percent off the first season of life is strange for under six bucks and this was left here just for cozy and that you can get persona 3 dancing in moonlight and persona 5 dancing in starlight because i distinctly remember you saying you enjoyed those games on the ps3 the, the uh, dancing games I enjoy, I played the Persona 4 dancing game and the Persona 3 dancing game, uh, well, and I enjoyed both of them decently. Well, here you go. You can pick up five for a significant discount. I think it's half off right now at 20 bucks Canadian. Uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy is on sale. Players Unknown's Battlegrounds is a pretty steep discount. I don't remember that being discounted this, this much in the past, so if you're interested in that, go pick it up. Rayman Legends, a phenomenal platformer. We're using the Ubi, Ubi the UB Arts style engine. is It's just it's a masterpiece, and if you don't own it at this point, it, you deserve to go and, and buy this game now. Uh, like on Xbox, Rocket League is on sale over here. Rogue Legacy, a game I really enjoyed on the Vita, is under 5 bucks. so definitely check that out if you're interested. South Park, The Stick of Truth is on sale. Undertale, which I don't actually remember being on sale ever because I've been looking out for it, is actually on sale right now. So if you're interested, go pick that up. And World War Z is available for 70% off. Anything stand out there to you guys? You'd say uh, run out, pick up now that I didn't already call out? Play Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't want to. It's a great game. It's one of the best stories I've ever experienced in any media. Play that fucking game. That's my my input. You can't make me, but if our fans do want to, you know, have at it. Amazing. You know, I you th- can live out is, your cowboy dreams. This is not a game that I've played before, but I feel like uh, $16 for World War Z is actually a really nice price point, considering that the kind of reception around, around that game was this is a pretty solid, decent game. It's not quite as good as the games it's emulating, i.e., the uh, Left 4 Dead games, but it's worth checking out. And I feel like at $16, that's kind of a very nice price point for that uh, level of recommendation. I would say especially you should pick it up if you have friends to play with. Hmm. Well, given you own it on Xbox and I would not be getting it there, I would have no friends to play with. So, nah, I'm I also good. have zero friends. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten through all that, let's get to our main topic of the show. Given that this past week we celebrated what is a national holiday in my heart, and that being Pokemon Day, and we've talked about it for far too long on this podcast, you know what we should do? Spend the next hour talking about Pokemon. So we're going to play a game of 5x5 of the best Pokemon. No criteria, no nothing. I want you guys to build a list of the best Pokemon. 
I will act All as your right. judge, your mediator, your, you know, final say. And it's going to play out something like this. Each of our participants will give me three games. Wait. Was it? No, four. Because we're down a host this week. You'll give me four Pokemon. Okay. I was like, will, I've only played one Pokemon game. I don't know how to play this anymore. But okay. if, if you give you me more that. than one Pokemon from Gen 1, I'm telling you now, it's going to the bottom of the list. Fuck. We need diversity on this list. But all we of are not a Pokemon gen- suck. They got progressively <laughs> oh. worse and worse. Oh, well, I guess somebody doesn't want to win a game of 5x5 five <laughs> five this week. I thought AJ was the worst, but that oh that boy. just about takes the cake. After Gen 4, they got really bad. You're wrong. <laughs> Actually, wait. You're sort of wrong. Okay. You know what? I'll, <laughs> should, take, um... I'll take it. All right, I won't I, penalize you for using Gen 1 more than once, but now that you know that, you okay, know. Okay, I'll keep that in mind and try to... Keep it in mind. Okay. I just want to say right here and right now, for the future, we should have a topic of the show be ranking all of the Pokemon Gens by the Pokemon available in them. I, I like the idea, because so last week we played a game of Player's Choice where we came up with the definitive list of must-have next-gen features. Yeah. If we augmented that and actually sorted the list and did that by generations of Pokemon cozy you and i would have a lot of fun with that and no one would listen to it so we should definitely do that at some point if you guys want to listen to a six hour podcast i would 100 percent record a six hour podcast about pokemon which is why the next hour of this one is going to be about pokemon so each of our participants will give me four pokemon well i will rank them in the order that i deem appropriate round two they'll be given a chance to argue why one of their pokemon is better than another pokemon on the list and if I like it, I might move things around. I might not. And then for round three, ooh, round three is going to be fun. Round three, I'm going to randomize. Each participant is going to give me one generation. I'm going to randomize six Pokemon that are available in that generation of games. I, as the moderator, I'm going to pick one because I'm a terrible person. And they will have to argue why that is a good Pokemon. So, to get us started, because he was being a jerk, Alex, what's your first choice? Okay, well, I feel like this is only going to go well for me. So, I'm going to start with the GOAT, the greatest of all time. You better not get this wrong. His name is Alakazam. Alakazam is amazing. He's got a fucking dope-ass mustache, two spoons that bend. Have you ever tried to bend a spoon? That shit's hard, and he does it with his mind. So, I mean, you know what? And he's a psychic type, and psychic types are pretty damn cool because they can make you confused. Also, one of the first Pokemon that uh, you could only get by via trading or by being rich and owning two Game Boys. So you either had to have friends or money, and you know what? Isn't that what we all strive to do, is have one or the other? That's my argument. Alakazam. I don't like it. <laughs> I I can appreciate the argument. Alakazam is my favorite games, Pokemon, really. by the way. I can imagine so, is why you presented that first. But given that it is not my favorite Pokemon, Lame. for now for now it's going at number one. But we'll see if that lasts. AJ, give me your first choice. What's you know going what? on I'll the list? My first choice is going to be my absolute favorite starter. Um, it's not my first starter but it quickly became my absolute favorite. And that is Totodile. Totodile mm. is this 
super, super energetic, charismatic little alligator guy. And he's just absolutely adorable. And he evolves into eventually for alligator. And he just looks super badass and like somebody you do not want to mess around with. And uh, water all the way. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of starters, Totodile is, is the best starter, in my opinion, and should absolutely be on the top of this list. I can agree with you, at least with... So I am not one to pick types when it comes to starters. Generally, I pick the fire starter, but that's not always the case. Gen 2, I will agree with you that water is best boy. However... Oh, great. You identified Totodile as an alligator. Crocodile. Based on his yes. name, Totodile is not an alligator, but a crocodile. But what? Wait, 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 wait. That does. But what about when he evolves and becomes Feraligator? We're not arguing Feraligator. We are arguing Totodile. Totodile is based I... on his name definition, his name components. It is based on a crocodile. For that reason, I have to put Totodile below Alakazam at number two. Hell yeah! Thanks for having my back, at least, Alex. Yeah. Don't worry. Cozy, the so, resident Pokemon expert that isn't named Mitch. What's your first indeed. pick? Indeed. So, uh, thus far in the show, we've gone uh, through generations one and two in Pokemon. So I figured that we'd get to generation three. In generation two, they introduced the Steel type, partially because everybody agrees that Steel types are great, and also because they wanted something to help counter the proliferation of Psychic type Pokemon in generation one. But I would say that it would it was only in Generation 3 that they truly introduced the best Steel-type Pokemon. And that Steel-type Pokemon is Aggron. Aggron is a gentle giant. He is powerful. Uh, he is incredibly cool looking. He's covered in plates of armor that give him a menacing, uh, dynamic, uh, powerful feel. But if you read his Pokedex entries, you'll also learn that he is a kind Pokemon that generally protects his mountain or domain and wants nothing more than to be left alone and to live in peace. On top of that, moveset-wise, he's a pretty interesting guy. Obviously, he learns a lot of steel and rock-type moves per his typing, but he also learns a lot of other interesting special-type moves like Blizzard, Fire Blast, Thunder, and a lot of other things that can really take your opponent by surprise. That it? Yep. Cool. So there were some things I really did like that, or like out of that. The only thing that is kind of bugging me is, you know, I just hate Agron's stupid face. And it is next to useless in the only game where it's taking up space for me, which is Pokemon Go. It is constantly being recommended in raid parties, even though it's utterly useless. And for that reason, it has to go at number three below both Alakazam and Totodile. I mean, I'll have my opportunity to argue for him later, so... You will. You will. Of course. If that is what you choose. I but for now, Agron is at the bottom of the list, and I don't see it moving. So, at the end of round one, we... Or at the end of turn one of round one, we've got Alakazam in first, Totodile second, Agron third. Back to Alex. What Pokemon has to be on this list? Okay. Well, this is a 100% serious pick. The mm -hmm. Hidden God... Of the Pokemon world. Oh, boy. <laughs> you better not. It's Bidoof. 
Bidoof is the best Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, what's more to say? He's Bidoof. That's my <laughs> argument. He's Bidoof. Pokemon Let's Go Bidoof coming 2022. You had my you had my back, Alex. I'll have your back here and try and help you have out you, a bit. Bidoof is a really good name. I, exactly. Have you ever seen a shiny Bidoof? I have. Yeah, they're quite they're quite spectacular, and they make my heart sing. And I love Bidoof. Remember when I said Agron was useless? I mean, remember that? You remember that? I I do. Yeah, yeah. Bidoof's worse. And for no, Bidoof, Bidoof does not even belong anywhere near the list of best Pokemon. I don't care Bidoof how memeable be it is. Bidoof is number one. Mark my words. <laughs> you can try, but right now Bidoof is going at number twelve because I don't <laughs> expect it to move. <laughs> and that was a terrible pick, and you suck. So, AJ, oh. what's your next pick? Wow. Um, well, after that, for the, oh, and also for those keeping score at home, they only score points for the top ten. I put Bidoof at the literal bottom of this list. You didn't spell his name right. I didn't spell it right because it doesn't matter. It How shouldn't be on the list and it's at the bottom. AJ, what's your next pick? Well, uh, Alex brought up the concept of divinity and gods. And I got to say, um, while, while there are in the lore of Pokemon, Pokemon that have been considered to be gods and one that is, by many, considered to be the literal god. One, the one true god in my heart is Lord Helix himself. Ammonite from the Helix fossil. Fuck off. Who showed up <laughs> when Twitch played Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So, so why, why does Ammonite deserve to be on the list? Other than the fact it was on Twitch. Praise Helix. Praise Helix. Glory to the Helix fossil. Give me an actual reason. Please. (laughs) I didn't want this to be a joke, and you're turning it into a joke. And I know this game is always a joke, but now it's a joke against me, and it's never a joke against the host, and I don't like it, so give me a reason. Well, I apologize for that, but the Helix fossil was always better than the Dome fossil. You always go Helix. That is the correct choice to make in the original generation of Pokemon. You, yeah, you let you let your little brother pick the Dome fossil in his game so you can get uh, uh, Kabuto and complete the Pokedex, but that's it. You need you need your you need your Helix fossil. You need your good boy Ammonite. So, interesting about that is yes, Lord Helix from Twitch Plays Pokemon was an Omanite. But eventually, it was an Omastar. Correct. It did evolve. So, given the fact that you've only played half of this battle, I can only give you half of the score that I could have given you at two. No. I guess double. It's going at the bottom of (laughs) the ones that are at the top. So, (laughs) I'm putting it in at number four because it's a terrible pick. Okay, but better than Badoof. It is still going to be above Badoof because Badoof was even stupider. You done Badoofed up. Cozy. Yes. Can you fix uh, this list for me, please? I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, okay, so up until now, we've had a fair bit of Generations uh, 1 and 2 representation, a bit of Gen 4 representation from a 
most abhorrent Pokemon. Uh, I figure that we should have a little bit of Gen 5 representation, and I'm going with a Gen 5 Pokemon that I am extremely fond of called Galvantula. First off, let's just appreciate Galvantula's name. I feel like a lot of Electric-type Pokemon try and have like fairly simplistic naming stuff in them. Like they'll have like, oh, it's they'll they'll like include like Zap or Buzz or you know common electricity names. But Galvantula's like, no, we're gonna galvanize the competition, and so we're gonna call ourselves Galvantula. And on top of that, I mean, what you have in Galvantula is just a really cool Electric Bug-type Pokemon. Uh, that because of its type uh, combination has a lot of coverage on a lot of other common Pokemon types in the game, especially, you know, very bulky, powerful water type Pokemon. And like the thing that's impressive about Galvantula is that, you know, there have been other spider type Pokemon in the past before Galvantula. You had Ariados in Generation 2. And I feel like Galvantula manages to stand on its own. Looking at it, you don't immediately think, oh, this is just another Ariados. It really manages to kind of fill its own niche, and that niche is being a really cool uh, Pokemon with a really unique and powerful type combination. I like it. So I, I like a lot of the points you made. I like the discussion of the origin of its name, which I also appreciate what they did with that Pokemon's design. And given the fact that as I look at this list, you have given me the single most unique Pokemon, it's going to go at number one. Yes. Galvantula is at number one on this Ooh. list for the moment. But how is he going to eat cereal without spoons? <laughs> what? That was a real good one. You do realize that Galvantula is a bug-type Pokemon, right? I literally don't even know what that looks like. I need to Google that. I, I, inclu I included a link to Galva Galvantula's Bulbapedia page in the document for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, as well as Agron, because I figured you might not know them. Yeah, I, I knew about Agron. I just didn't know what it was called because I named it something stupid in Pokemon Go. Anyway, to, to that point, Galvantula That's because it is, is part, stupid in Pokemon Go. Galvantula is part bug-type. Bug-type is super effective against Psychic-type. You know Another means, reason right? why it had to go above Alakazam. So as the list stands right now, you have at number 12, because it's dumb, Bidoof from Alex. At number 5, because we jumped a ways down the list, is Omanite from AJ. Number 4, we have Agron from Cozy. 3, Totodile from AJ. 2, we have Alakazam from Alex. And at number 1, we have Galvantula from Cozy. So let's get into turn 3 of round one, and at the moment, I'm going to switch things up. Oh, you just don't want to hear my dumb, <laughs> my dumb picks. I really don't, so Cozy, can you give me another good pick, please? Ooh, all right, so let's continue on to generations that have not yet been represented. I want to go to Gen 6, and I want to talk about a little Pokemon called Hawlucha. Uh, in addition to having a really cool type combination, uh, fighting, flying, Hawlucha is truly a unique, cool-looking Pokemon. He is basically inspired by luchador wrestlers, and all of his moves and flourish in battle is equally inspired by them as well. Uh, whether it be Flying Press, which, you know, at a certain point was basically his uh, signature move. It's since, you know, been given over to other Pokemon as well. Or just any other attacks uh, he does. You can really see uh, his luchadorness uh, flowing through his entire design. And it should be pointed out that Ash Ketchum actually caught a Hawlucha later on uh, in his Pokemon adventures. And I feel like that's undeniably worth for something. 
you had me. You had me right in the feels, as Halucha is, without a doubt, my favorite Pokemon of that generation. But you had to bring Ash Ketchum into it. Oh. Mm-hmm. You had to bring the perpetual loser, the runner-up. I know he won the latest Pokemon League, but at the point that he had a Halucha, he was still a perpetual loser. So you, you unf- did watch that Pokemon anime movie over the weekend, though. I did. I didn't say I watched it for him. I you will. Sure? I will admit that tears welled up when he, you know, intercepted both Mew and Mewtwo and was frozen solid, and all the Pokemon were crying for him. And the tears of the Pokemon revived him, which is weird, but it mm-hmm. was nostalgic. Nevertheless, since Ash Ketchum sucks. Halucha has to go at number four, below Totodile, but above Agron. Yeah. All right. All right. With that being said, AJ, I need another one of your picks. What's it going to be? <sighs> well, Cozy's made a, a very a very good point of trying to choose something from m- multiple generations. So I figure I will go all the way back to the start and pick the one that fits in not every generation but multiple generations they've added to it and improved it and made it better and more versatile to whatever gameplay you want to play and specifically I'm thinking about Eevee Eevee from Generation 1, I understand, but evolves into Vaporeon, Jolteon, Flareon, Espeon, Umbreon, Leafeon, Glaceon, and Sylveon, I believe. Mul- you got it correct. You got them all right. Great. Um, multiple types to choose from. This is the... this Eevee's got to be one of the most versatile in terms of hey, I, I'm starting out here and I, you know, th- this time around of playing, I'm, I'm going to go with the fire. This time, I'm going grass. This time, you, whatever you want to do, Eevee's got your back. You, you, the, you know, the, the original three, you, you evolve with the stone. The, the next two, you, uh, you have to make them like, Eevee has to like you in the daytime or the nighttime. Um, and then the next two, uh, it, it's it's like a weird mossy thing. I forget what I'm it, a mossy thing and or an ice thing. You have to evolve them near or something. I'll like cut that. you some slack on that one because they retconned that in the later did, games. But go did on. they? Okay, they great. did. They made it so you could use the leaf stone and the oh, ice stone. Okay, believe, that, right, that's Cozy? what I was remembering for the most part. But um, and you that know, that's correct. Yeah, um, and then. You know, Sylveon, you got to play one of the the mini games, I believe, right? Um, To evolve into that and make Eevee like you in there. But, you know, Eevee's just incredibly versatile and absolutely should be high up there on that list. Given that you got all of its evolutions names right and you were able to remember how it works, which I'm and I'm hoping you're not cheating right now. Absolutely not. But for that reason, at least for the moment, Eevee's our number one pick. Hell yeah. Hmm. 
All right, Alex, I made you wait. Give me your garbage. What is it? I was going to pick Eevee as a serious pick. Well, so, you missed out, so. Well, I mean, whose fault is that, really? Yours for not saying it earlier. What's your next pick? Okay, well, I mean, we could go heads or tails. Because we could go serious or we could go goofy. And I'm in, I, I can see the displeasure. I'm going to pick a serious pick. Thank you. Okay, for now. Just, just for the record. Uh-huh. I still have one more. My top three favorite Pokemon are not yet on this list. I already know what one of them is because I read your Twitter, and I'm not going to say it because I think he's shitty. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> so the number 11 pick will be... Say it, Alex. Yeah, what's the number 11 pick, Alex? What is it? <laughs> I was going to say Charizard because Charizard's pretty awesome. He's the original dragon. He's the evolution of the wait, best... Wait, hold on a second. Let Didn't him finish. That... Let him finish. What okay. did I say? Keep going, Alex. It's fine. <laughs> I don't even know. It. I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's he's the evolution of the best starter from Gen One, which is Charmander, because you know Fire is almost always the best uh, evolution or always best starter, um, except for in a few generations. But we don't talk about those. Uh, Charizard's just really cool, and you know what? He's uh, just a badass dragon. He's got fire he's got a fire tail that you know it indicates if he likes you you don't get burned by it which is kind of cool and makes you like really connect with your pokemon and just overall is just a very cool design which i think is one of the things that generation one had the most going for it is that every design was unique and awesome and i think charizard is the number one example of that that's my serious pick there are many things wrong with what you said. What did I say? Honestly, I have no Charizard idea. is not a dragon. What only is Char- Only one of Charizard's mega evolutions is a dragon, which That's you also stupid. failed to mention. Charizard is a fire-flying type. Two. But he looks like a dragon. Two. If you did creep my Twitter post about Pokemon, uh-huh. you would know that my first game was Pokemon Blue. Guess what was on the cover of Pokemon Blue, Alex? The worst Not one. Not Charizard. Well, the second worst one. Third. Bulbasaur is the worst starter, let's be honest. I can agree with you there. Third, you said that all the Gen 1 designs were unique and cool. Mm-hmm. Voltorb and Electrode are dumb and shouldn't exist. But they look like the, the icon of the game. I don't care. Because of those shortcomings, I didn't that, really want okay, to. Okay, okay. With the last oh, sorry, one, though, the, the, the no, last no, one, though, how does that how does that interrupt? How does that interfere with Charizard specifically? That's just my dumbass not making a good point. My well, yes, but the fourth point was at the top of the show. Uh-huh. I said try to limit how much you use Gen One because I didn't want this to be a Gen One list. Mm-hmm. I cut yeah, AJ I, some I, slack, and I, I and I, for I, my second pick, I chose Gen Four. Yeah, but your first pick was still Gen 1. And AJ, I let it slide with Eevee and Omanite because he tied it into later generations with the other evolutions. Because of all of those shortcomings to your argument, I'm sorry, Alex, but Charizard has to go at number 6, below Halucha, yet above Agron. Just because I like Charizard so much and I can't let it, you know, sit at the bottom of this list. That would be a travesty. So, we've got one round to go of one turn of round one we got to figure out a better way to call these things it gets confusing for the last turn of round one 
I need you to bring your A game. I need you to be the very best, like no one ever was, especially ask Ketchum, because he sucks. Mm-hmm. Cozy, what's it going to be? All right, it's time to bring it home, guys. I'm going to go with a Gen 8 Pokemon that has been making waves ever since they debuted in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And that Pokemon is Appleton. Earlier, Alex, you failed uh, in your assessment of Charizard as a dragon. Well, let me tell you, Appleton is a true dragon. A dragon grass type, to be specific. Uh, He is a combination of a dog, a lowly yet kind dragon, and an apple pie. And let me tell you, is there anything better than Pokemon that are both sweet and incredibly powerful at the same time? No. Appleton, like, you just can't beat Appleton. You look at Appleton and you're like, what in the world? I I think of myself as a truly great designer, but the people who designed Appleton will never truly be beat. There is just, like, to, to get serious for just a quick second here, and I realize I'm going on for a little bit here. I don't care. We have time. Yeah, like, I feel like with Pokemon, you know, one of the appealing things about the Pokemon, uh, about Pokemon's designs are uh, the fact that they are cute and cuddly and that uh, they are the kind of things that you can imagine yourself owning as a pet. But at the same time, you also have to imagine them in a context where they can fight each other and where they can look ferocious and where they can look intimidating. And I, what I like about Appleton is I feel like he manages to kind of like straddle the line between both looking cute and looking ferocious all at once. So I like what you're saying about Appleton. I really do like this Pokemon's design in the latest games. It is something unique. It's something we really haven't seen before. Two things I didn't like about your argument. It, it doesn't look intimidating because it's only a foot and a half tall. So Mm. this thing is, it's a little boy, so it's not going to look intimidating. And the second thing, you said nothing beats Appleton. Any ice type would say, fuck you, you're four times effective against I, any of my ice type moves, so we going to say bye-bye Appleton anytime an ice type hits the field. I mean, I was saying that in the context of, like, its design. Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't explicitly call that out. So for that reason, Appleton has to go below Agron at number eight. Mm, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, you, you you pour your heart out for this apple, and I say, nah. That is what no. I say. All I'm saying is, I, I only say that, I'm only ambivalent because I'm still winning. Fair. I, I actually don't know how to spell it. I think I got it right. It, I probably it is didn't. A-P-P-L-E-T-U-N. Yeah, I, I got the U. I wasn't sure if the E was in there or not, but I got it. 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 AJ, what's next? Well, bringing it home. I've thought long and hard about this. There's there's a lot of legendary Pokemon out there. But in my heart of hearts, few of them match just how legendary Groudon is. Groudon is so connected to the Earth and requires land in such a, in such a way... <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, it's been so long since I played the third generation, but I've, I vividly You mean you didn't play the remakes on the 3DS? I did, surprisingly. But it hasn't been that long. It's been long enough. Too much water. (laughs) No, with, with Pokemon Ruby and Groudon, you evaporate the water. 
global warming is the future, bud. That's is my that, argument. Is that it? That's my argument, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys know nothing about these games. <laughs> I, to be fair, I didn't play all the way through the re-release. I, it's been so long since I've gotten to the end of uh, Ruby. Um, but I, I, I vividly remember feeling so much awe when I when you first walk into that that underground uh, chamber with Groudon in it uh, playing on my GBA my original GBA under under a, a, a side table light and everything like that it few moments match with that in my heart in my heart when it comes to Pokemon all right I I, I, I can appreciate your reminiscing about the character of Groudon and what it brought to both the original game and its recent remake. But there wasn't much there. I'm sorry, but it has to go at number nine. Oh. Just above Omanite, but below Appleton. So with that being said, I don't even want to do it, but I have to because that's the rules of the game. Alex, what's your last pick of the first round? I have such a shitposty answer, too, but I don't know if Fuck I want to do it. Fuck you. I don't want to do it. You know how much I care about these goddamn games. But you know what? If it means it, if it means entertaining our dozen of fans, go for it. Well, what's the most important meal of the day? Fuck. <laughs> Anytime anyone brings up food with Pokemon, I know the conversation is going to go south. But whatever. We all go know on. it's breakfast, and that's why Execute is the best Pokemon. <laughs> Uh. Not just one, not just two, not even three, but how many eggs are there? Wait. <laughs> you don't even know? <laughs> one, two, there's five. No, you there's six. You could have looked up a picture on your phone. There's six. He doesn't I looked care. Up, That's the problem. I looked up screenrant.com, uh, worst Pokemon list. What the <laughs> so fuck? That's what I've been going off of. You're a terrible human being and I don't like you. So, uh, yeah, execute. Uh, because, you know what? Just, why not? What type is execute? Um. It's going at 11, okay? <laughs> this is going at just above Bidoof, because you don't know what you're talking about. It's a bad pick, and you should feel bad. I just came up with the joke, the initial, like, intro, and then I was like, ah, that's all I need. You could have picked literally any other food Pokemon, and I might have made a case for it. What's but the you cherry were... one? Those ones I've seen a lot in Pokemon Go. Cherubi? Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. It, it's it's Cherubi. Cherubi is Sea Cherry, and then it evolves into Sharon. Oh, okay. Also wouldn't have placed higher than 11th, just so you know. Yeah, I know. So after round one of what has been an utter shit show, the list stands at... Off of the list, Bidoof and Execute, which were both Alex's because he doesn't know Pokemon. At number 10, we have Omanite. I know the good ones. No, you don't, apparently. <laughs> At number 10, we have Omanite, which was AJ's pick. Number 9, we have Groudon, also AJ's. At number 8, we have Appleton, which was Cozy's pick. 7, we have Agron, also Cozy's pick. At number 6, we have Charizard, which was provided to us by Alex, because he only knows Gen 1. At number 5, we have Halucha, which was Cozy's. Number 4, we have Totodile, AJ's pick. Number 3, Alakazam, which was provided to us by Alex before I realized he was going to destroy this game. At number two, Gal- was a serious pick, and it, it placed seriously on this list. The rest of them didn't. At number two, we have Galvantula, which was Cozy's, and at number one, at the end of round one, is Evie, provided to us by AJ. And the way that we're doing the scoring this week is for having the number one ranked Pokemon, 
you get three points. Numbers two or ranks two through five, you'll get two. Six through ten, you'll get one point. So as it stands after round one, AJ's actually out to a slight lead at a score Ooh. of seven to six against Cozy, and we're not even going to talk about Alex's score because it's so low. So how much do I? Oh, I've got three. Hey. You have three. You have three. Those yeah, are three pity where, points, mostly because make... Alakazam is still in the top five. This is where I make my comeback. Yeah, by arguing one is better than another. Oh god, this is going to go so poorly. <laughs> okay, so in round two, you're going to get to argue why one of your Pokemon picks should be higher than another on the list. If I agree with you, I will push your argument, your argued pick, above that Pokemon, and everything else will bump down one spot on the list. So you will bump everything down one spot. So as, as painful as it's going to be, actually, no, since it's going to be painful, it's going to have to go last. Cozy, you're up first. What's up? Uh, okay, I'm going to argue that Appleton deserves to be above Totodile. Actually, um, give me a second. I got to crack, crack one before I hear what Alex has to say. Okay. Go I mean, ahead with my Appleton argument isn't going to be that painful. I mean, obviously, Appleton, uh, in addition to dual resisting uh, Totodile's water type moves, Appleton is also super effective against Totodile with its grass type moves. Uh, beyond that, though, you know, to go back to the element of cuteness, one of the problems with Totodile is that as he evolves, he gradually becomes more menacing and less huggable. Appleton, he starts off as a cute little apple as Applin, and then he remains just as cute and lovable and huggable as Appleton. And on for that reason alone, I think that he deserves to go above Totodile. That and the whole, like, type advantage stuff. All right. So, AJ, he's arguing against your pick of Totodile. He's arguing that type advantage gives him the advantage when it comes to this pick. What say you? You have cro me saying that means you have time to rebuke. Go ahead. <laughs> Crocodiles may be carnivorous, but they could chomp through an apple no problem. And Totodile's normal type moves would do some serious damage when it comes to crunch or bite, scratch. There's there's not going to be much left over when it comes to Appleton. Just so um, you know, two of those moves you just listed are dark type, not normal type. I think they were... Were they all dark, always? Bite, bite was a normal type move in Gen 1. Okay. In Gen 2, they introduced dark type, changed bite's type, and introduced the move crunch as a dark type move. Okay. Given... Given that, and the fact you didn't bring up the point of Totodile also has access to Ice-type moves, uh. which make dinner out of this apple, Appleton is going to move up above Totodile at number four. I need to hear from AJ as to why one of his picks should be above another on this list. Hmm. Well. Actually, give me a second just to move things so you have an idea of what you're arguing. Sure. Uh, what am I doing? Might have to rethink the way that we're doing this, but it's working for this week so far. Maybe it's just me not understanding how, you know, forms work. Yeah. It's all right. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. As long as I'm, the points add up, it should be. Fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling mightily here. I am. I apologize. Uh, at the same time, Alec or AJ, sorry. I'm going to need to know what your next pick is. All right. <clears throat> so, I listen. I joked earlier with Ammonite being the god 
out of the helix fossil. Ammonite, while technically not the evolved form, ultimately is a lot better than Alakazam. Alakazam, you uh, you have to you have to trade Alakazam or Kadabra to get Alakazam and nobody's got time for that. Like like Alex said in his original argument, you know, the rich the rich kids got to do it or uh the the people with um friends with friends really <laughs> uh, which i said earlier really i really didn't have um I, pokemon was always kind of a solitary uh meditative experience for me as a child and getting the helix fossil all the way to cinnabar island and reviving the ammonite is infinitely more satisfying than having to hook up your link cable with a friend and trade him okay Alex, you will now be given the opportunity to provide a rebuttal to why trading is a more satisfying experience for acquiring Pokemon than getting to Cinnabar Island and reviving it. Well, I would say the reason why I think that trading was so satisfying for me, and this is a serious answer, by the way. I appreciate that, finally. (laughs) Is because, like... So the first game that I played in Pokemon was Diamond, and we all had our DSs, and everyone in the neighborhood all had either Diamond or Pearl, and we all had our DSs, and we would trade constantly. And it was that first experience that really, like, it's what made me really like Pokemon, because it was like, oh, I actually get something out of going out of my way to try and, try and like, find the best. For, for us, we were like, actually like taking the trading seriously where it was like oh i'll give you this but you have to give me this and like we actually like went through and it was like a fun little mini game like a like a real life bonding experience that i had with all of the people in my neighborhood at the time and so i just think that that experience can't be beaten by something that's just in the game like i think that that real life experience is just something that can't be that just can't be like washed away and i think i'm sorry that you didn't get to have that experience by not having people uh to be able to trade with but i think that if you did get that experience that it really is invaluable so i was relatively antisocial as a kid the one exception to that was when i got together with some friends and played pokemon traded with the big old link cable on the old Game Boy, straight through to the wireless adapter that they introduced with Gen 3 into both wireless and online trading with Gens 4 and later. And for that reason and the fact that trading is way better than just traveling to Cinnabar Island, things are staying the way they are. Hell yeah. And given you just argued so eloquently, Alex, I can only expect that your argument now will be as equally thought out as that one. All right. I'm going to I'm going to be honest up front. I was doing a little bit of research. Is that okay. okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy. I'm happy that you're taking an interest in something that is very important to me. Okay. So don't fuck up. Okay. Well, you're already not going to like the one that I'm choosing. God it's damn Badoof. it. It is Badoof. But I have an actual answer. 
And th this is also going to, I also am going to ask a question because, you know, uh, as you could tell, I'm a little ignorant to some things about Pokemon. Okay. Um, so are any of these Pokemon, any of them on the list, banned and competitive? No. Well, uh, well, I, I mean, Agron, sorry, not Groudon in certain formats is banned. I was okay. going to say, current, current competitive... Like, are we talking VGC rules? Are we talking Smogon? Like, what, 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 what's our criteria here? How about, let's talk about, let's talk about the competitive rules in the competitive season before the introduction of Sword and Shield. Like, when everything, you could use anything and they hadn't restricted things yet. Presumably saying anything in Sword and Shield could also be open. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, Badoof is banned from almost all competitive Pokemon battles due to having a very rare and powerful ability called Moody, which it raises a random stat every turn, potentially potentially making Bidoof one of the most powerful Pokemon ever in the entire game. That's my argument. That was the research I was doing while... Against Wait. what Pokemon are you arguing this? <laughs> yeah. That's what it says on this article. No, no, no. That's fine. But you have to pick something else to argue that point against. Oh. Are you saying it should go at number one? <laughs> Like, what are you saying? The, I forgot Fuck. how the game worked. Um, I'm going to choose... Uh, what could I actually realistically be? Uh, Totodile. What's, what's puny-ass Totodile going to do against a god like Bidoof with Moody? AJ, you're up. <laughs> of course he picks AJ, who also doesn't know Pokemon <laughs> the way that Alex does. All right, AJ, you have to argue... Why Totodile could compete with a moody Bidoof in competitive Pokemon. Go um, ahead. As, as far as I know, um, Totodile is a little bit more of an offensive kind of attacker. And when you, f when, when you train him right and you focus on the offensive moves instead of lowering the stats, you can get... Bidoof completely out of the question before it has a chance to become too moody. That's my argument. It's not very good. It's an argument. <laughs> yes! It is an argument, but unfortunately, <laughs> Bidoof is going to have to... Oh, I should have Hail Married it and gone for number one. God it wouldn't have taken it. number one. You pushed your luck with what you did. <laughs> Fuck. Bidoof is on the list. That's B all that matters. Bidoof, based on its the way it has changed the competitive Pokemon scene will rise begrudgingly to number five on our list. I fucking hate I'm so, this. I'm so proud of myself. <sighs> okay. So after round two, the list stands with Omanite and Execute being off the list. Groudon at number 10. Agron at number nine. Charizard at number s eight. God, I can't math. Halucha at number seven, Totodile at six, Bidoof at five, four is Appleton, three Alakazam, two Galvantula, and at number one, we have Eevee. And the points stand with Cozy now in the lead with six points, and by Ooh. some goddamn miracle, AJ and Alex are both tied with five I'm just, points. I'm just making this game a little bit more spicy. Oh, I hate this so much. Okay. We're into round three. I am going to randomize six Pokemon. 
and I get to choose, or no. So what we'll do, you give me a number between one and 10. That's how many times I'll randomize. Then give me a number between one and six. That will right. choose which Pokemon out of those six you have to argue. If it's a repeat, I'll let you know and we can change that as need be. So, based on the current scores, I'm sorry, Cozy, but since you're in the lead, I'm going to have to ask you to go first. All right. Give me a number between one and ten. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. None of these Pokemon are on our list. Okay. Give me a number between one and six. Uh, six. You picked the wrong one. All right. So I need you to argue why Swablu deserves a spot on this list of best Pokemon. <laughs> Interesting choice. Um... <laughs> So a lot of people look up to Swablu and think of him as just a generic uh, bird Pokemon. He is, after all, only normal flying type. But Swablu has a few things that set him apart from his other fellow avian competitors. Uh, for one, he has a exotic feel that is exacerbated by his blue coloration and fluffy cloud-like wings. And with time, he eventually is able to evolve into Altaria, which is a dragon flying type that can eventually mega evolve into mega Altaria, which is a dragon fairy type. Uh, and on top of that, Swablu uh, just has a nice, elegant uh, flying animation uh, that really, again, accentuates the <laughs> fluffy cloudiness of its wings. And I feel like when you think about most other like flying type Pokemon, you don't really think, oh man, that flying Pokemon has a really interesting way of flying and with Swablu that's not the case cool I don't like Swablu alright well um I but... like it more than I like Agron so it's gonna go at number 9 on the list okay you tried I mean, you, I, you I, did. I, yeah. You made an effort, and I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. And I hate that we randomized this, and so now we're going to end up with terrible Pokemon on this list, but whatever. Um, so let me look at that. Based on that, it actually pushed AJ off of the list at number 10. So he's actually trailing Alex now by one point. Hell yeah. Which means, Alex, you're next. Okay, I'm ready. What number the between number? 1 and 10. Um, eight. I don't like anything on this list. I want you to give me another number between one and ten. Four. Fine. Give me a number between one and six. Four. <laughs> oh. Okay. I need you to argue why Serena deserves to be on this list. How do you spell it? T S A R E E N A. Um. I will give you two seconds. Fuck? Um, have you Go. ever wanted to have sex with a Pokemon? If Jesus you have, Christ. yeah, Gardevoir. This is your option. There we go. <sighs> Why is it drawn like that? I almost spat up on my computer. Did you just Google it? Yeah, I've never seen this Pokemon before. Well, why didn't you just go to like an official page that has like sprites I or animations? On, I, went on Google, I went on Google Images. <laughs> Which is going to be all Pokemon porn. What is wrong with you? At least you? he didn't bang it. No one uses bang. Eh, Let's be porn. serious. <laughs> so where is it going to go? 
I mean, it's not making the list, so it doesn't matter where it goes. You're telling me that argument wasn't the best thing you've ever heard? AJ. Hello. Is your chance to pull it out. I need a number between 1 and 10. Speaking of sex with Pokemon, pulling it out. Um, Let's go with number 2. 1 and 2. Oh, crap. Two of my three favorite Pokemon are in this list. Oh, boy. If you can pick the right number, you might take this whole thing. Give me a number between one and six. Two. Two. I need you to argue why Heracross deserves a spot on this list. Man, Heracross. What, what a prize Heracross was in Generation 2. Like, do you know how many trees you had to headbutt to get... What what a what a a sneaky guy that guy is. Her, her, honest, in all honesty, I I spent hours hours telling my Pokemon to bash their head against a tree just to, for the opportunity to fight this this bug. The, what like what what headbutting a tree? Uh, some uh, the the feet the function that was introduced. <laughs> in generation two it was at the time was absolutely you guys laugh was absolutely i'm not laughing i'm listening i'm a good host (laughs) it was absolutely revolutionary in in how the mechanics evolved on the same system as the original um to be able to the the way they expanded it uh it wow i Heracross was absolutely one of those, like, similar to the three dogs and what whatnot, were, were, who were very hard to find. Although you could technically track them, the Heracross could could be found almost anywhere. You just had to headbutt a tree. Should I should I stop him? He's been he's been I rambling for a good two tree. to three minutes. Keep going. <laughs> Have I told you about headbutting trees? Okay, so. <laughs> I'm going to cut you off there. That okay. was probably the worst argument that was given during this game. Great. And Alex argued it for Badoof, for fuck's sake. Badoof is number five. Don't you disrespect. However, you picked off of that list of six my favorite Pokemon of all time. Really? Oh, my God. For that reason and that reason alone, Heracross is at number one on this list of the best Pokemon. Uh, can I challenge oh. Heracross with one of my previous choices? Yeah, no. We got a tie no. going on. Let me get to I, it. After that scoring change, we are tied. AJ and Cozy are both tied at six points. Alex, you can do whatever it is you do looking up your Pokemon porn. <laughs> Our tiebreaker, you are each going to get 30 seconds on the clock. And I'm going to time this. I need you to pick any other Pokemon that is not on this list. Actually, I'll give you a minute. I'll be nice. I need one Pokemon not on this list and why it is awesome. AJ, one minute on the clock. Do you have your Pokemon in mind? Um, well. This is why I'm letting you go first because <clears throat> I figured it was going to take longer. Great. Do you have a Pokemon in mind? Yes. And go. Sudowoodo is not the first Pokemon to block your path, 
but the second in generation two <laughs> he is this cool looking tree with these three palms on each hand this this rock type this very still moving still not moving uh tree like species that is sentient i love him i love my sudowoodo that's it yep cool cozy one minute on the clock go AJ brought up Sudowoodo, which is a Pokemon that blocks your path. However, I figured I'd bring up the other major Pokemon that blocks your path in the Pokemon games, and that Pokemon is Snorlax. Everybody knows Snorlax for being a fat, lazy Pokemon, but he's also incredibly powerful. He has great attack and great special attack, and he can learn powerful moves like Curse that allow him to raise his attack and his defense further, while also lowering his speed, which makes him even more potent in Trick Room, which is where basically the speed of all Pokemon and the order in which they move gets reversed. Uh, in addition to that, Snorlax learns a lot of good coverage moves, including high horsepower, which is a ground-type move that allows it to hit steel-types and rock-types super effectively. And in general, like the thing about Snorlax is that he has a great work-life balance. He knows when to relax and when to kick back, and he knows when to lay the pounding. A Generation 1 Pokemon, that's brave. I hear that doesn't go well on this list. I, I Stop that, pandering I th- to me. I need to make a very difficult decision between... The two Pokemon that, the two major Pokemon that block your path, throughout the Pokemon series. And I think, just from the virtue of design and originality, and the fact that I will continue to use this on my team in the game where I get unblocked, whereas the other I tend to throw into the box because it's you know kind of boring. Pseudo Wudo is a better Pokemon than Snorlax. And based on that tiebreaker, congratulations to this week's winner, AJ. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a I'm getting a phone call from oh, our head crap. of HR. Here we go. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh-huh. Thanks, Nathan. Have a good one. Okay. So Nathan just cleared one thing up to me. AJ's probation is no longer in effect. AJ wins the game. I did it. Wait, what? real this time. AJ won. Nathan told me that it's fine and he can win. Because I was texting him the whole time about the logistics of it and if there's any legalities behind the scenes. And unfortunately, he couldn't join us. And as our head of HR, I had to put it by him first before I could let AJ win. Can I ask a question? Do you seriously put Snorlax in your box and use Sudowoodo on your teams? Every time. All right. Well, I mean, I I can't disagree with something that you legitimately do. Yeah, I this still is, think that this is my list. Yeah, and I that's still think it is. I still think I made a tremendously better argument for Snorlax you, in favor of Pseudowood. Your arguments were sound. I appreciated the fact you brought competitive into it and the versatility of Snorlax as a competitive Pokemon. But ultimately, you had an advantage when it came to this list. And I can't have our list being built in such a way that it's always going to be, you know, the the one with advantage who's going to take the, the win. So in this case, we saw our underdog that isn't Alex because he sucks rise above the rest and win this game of five by five. I mean, who really won here? Because I got Badoof on the best Pokemon all right. list of all time. As it stands, <laughs> our final list reads at number one, 
Heracross. Number two, Eevee. At number three, Galvantula. Number four, Alakazam. At five, Appleton. At six, begrudgingly, is Bidoof. At seven, we have Totodile. At eight, we have Halucha. Nine is Charizard. And rounding out our top ten is Swablu. (sighs) I'm never doing that again. At least not with something I care about as much as Pokemon. You guys suck. (laughs) I I would love to do this again with me as a moderator, by the way. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. When's the next Pokemon game coming out? We're getting the DLC later this year. Oh, I forgot to mention, yeah, there's a new Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game coming out this week that I probably won't end up picking up because it's getting mediocre reviews. But Uh, that's beside the point. We'll we'll talk about it next week, I'd imagine. Yeah, we'll see. But (laughs) until then, thank you for joining us. And please come back next week. I promise it won't be that bad. Who are Thank- we? Thanks for playing. This is Press YYZ. Where can everyone find you? AJ? Uh, you can find me on all of the things, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, whatever, uh, at Times Hero, capital T, capital H. Cozy, where are you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Alex Cozina and on Twitch at Cozy Bear Live. Alex, where are you? On Instagram, I am blatantly Alex, and on Twitter, I am blatantly underscore Alex. <laughs> underscore. You can find me on most social media platforms as Mr. Mitch George, and if not, just find me on one of them, and I can tell you where I am everywhere else. It's easy enough. So, as I said, this has been Press YYZ. Thanks for playing. Bye. 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 Badoof number one. <laughs> <laughs>